Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Who You Got. My name is Dayton Hammond. Who You Got is a show about creating brackets for things that don't normally have brackets. Now, you may be asking, what is a bracket exactly? Well, a bracket or tournament bracket is a tree diagram representing a series of games played in a knockout tournament. Each episode, we create a bracket for a specific topic and determine the best of that topic through a series of debate matchups. Today, helping me fight our way through today's tournament is my pal in pop culture obsession, Alex Tarantino. Hi, Hi. Alex. I'm doing pretty good. You know, pop culture is better than friends, so. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yep, that's why we're here. Clearly, to, yeah. To not hang out, but to, uh, <laughs> to avoid our actual inter-social interaction. Exclusively to talk about cartoons, you know. It's true. Yes. So. There are a couple rules we must follow as we make our way through the bracket today. There are five minutes allotted to each matchup, and at the end of five minutes, we will decide a winner based on the arguments, not on our own preferences. That brings us to this month's topic, comedic cartoon villains. They make you scream, they make you laugh, they make you scream with laughter. So we'll be debating each eight of these bonkers baddies to determine the devious dean of dastardly deeds. This has just been an outlet for my love of alliteration. Clearly, I mean, Stan Lee would be so proud of you with, oh, with, with, you, with your wording schemes. May he rest in peace. Oh my gosh, that was, that's wonderful. <laughs> to be recognized by such a legend. This is great. Oh so, boy. Alex, let's talk about who we're gonna be talking about today. Awesome. So, right away in the bracket, we have the number one seed, Jesse, James, and Meowth from the Pokemon series. And they will be going up against the number eight series, eight number eight seed, the Joker from Batman the Animated Series. Then we have in the number four seed, personal favorite of mine, Bill Cipher from Gravity Falls. Ooh. Then we have the number uh, he'll be going up against the number five seed, Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Excellent. Then in the number two seed we have Plankton from SpongeBob SquarePants, going up against the number seven seed, Mojo Jojo from Powerpuff Girls. And in the final matchup we have the number three seed. Skeletor from He-Man going up against Mr. Crocker from Fairly Odd Parents. Alex, what are your thoughts on these eight villainous people? I am so stoked. So I was actually telling Dayton beforehand, uh, I have a pretty good knowledge of all of these mm -hmm. characters prior to even making the, the definitive list. Uh, when we came, when it came down to it, I was like, the only one I had to do a little bit of research on for uh, for reasons other than lack of knowledge with Skeletor. So I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling confident about this. I'm like, we can we can definitely talk for a while. Here. Awesome. That's exactly why I brought you on the show. I'm really stoked for this because I grew to love villains kind of very recently. When I was a, a kid, I was a very Dudley Do-Right kind of, you know, oh, yeah? goody two-shoes. Yeah. I very much enjoyed the heroes of the shows I watched and I was a PBS kid, so a lot of my a lot of my shows were very sanitary. All, then, all those famous Arthur villains, right? Oh yes, yeah, of, of course. course, Mr. Ratburn. Get yeah, out obviously, of here. dude, Just, dude had some kind of bodies in his closet. <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> just a, a treacherous person altogether. <laughs> and so, to really uh, appreciate villains, that didn't really come around until the time when I delved into like the Batman comics and the Batman world, mm -hmm. that uh, the whole DC environment, because I adore the Joker. Maybe I'm showing my cards a little bit here, uh, early here. But, there might be a little bit of a bias. Yeah, of course. But I think he's a, a real quintessential villain, and uh, he's a great example of what villains can be. They can be a real foil to the hero and just destabilize exactly what they represent. And that's sort of what I look for in a villain. What about you? What do you look for when you're, you're watching a villain cartoon or otherwise? Uh, so I, I I didn't really care much for villains growing up either. They yeah. were always like, they were just usually the punching bag for the good guys. Exactly, you know, Cause I yeah. grew up 
comics superheroes and stuff. Yeah. When it came to uh, what I liked in a villain, it was really just how cool I thought they were. Like however okay. cool their costume was, however cool their power was or something like that. Yeah. Um, I didn't come to appreciate villains either until until comics, but uh, on a, a different page of that with Superman comics nice. and Lex Luthor. Uh, cool, yeah. And I can I could gush about that forever, but when, when I, that's when I began to realize uh, villains themselves are characters too. Yes, exactly. they aren't. They aren't inherently just the the targets. They have their own stories. They sometimes see themselves as the good guy. Sometimes they're just doing it for the sake of being bad. Obviously, for right. like, Especially for kids' cartoons. Yeah, but I think that that leads to a, a good sort of analysis of villains, and that a good litmus test for them is what led them to behave the way that they do. And sometimes I really, I think I feel like a really good villain. You can almost relate to that, relate sure. to that, the impetus for whatever evil they're committing, you know? Right. Uh, and we, I don't even have to focus on this by any means, but like the reason I liked Lex Luthor was because a lot of people viewed him as just the rich businessman who wanted to take down the big hero, yeah. but he viewed Superman as the reason for humanity to stop trying to grow. We don't right. have, we don't have to get better. We have Superman. He was like, he had that, that, that made him, uh, made him so upset. Yeah. He, he didn't want people to stop. So he resented Superman for that. And I'm like, that's, if there is ever a good reason to become a villain, <laughs> I, I would give that, that, that would give it, give it that, that spot. Like, right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great example. I think to cite another example that we're not talking about yet on, on the bracket is, uh, spoilers for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh my gosh. But, uh, you and you I mean both adore the, that the, movie. the Academy Award winning movie? What? The Academy <laughs> Award winning Into the Spider Verse? Gosh, what a mouthful. That's the one with Tobey Maguire, right? <laughs> or one of those guys. One of those tall white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think the Kingpin is a. Re- I think he's a really good villain. I don't think he got enough credit in that film. I think he was just really driven to bring his family back and, By would, just knock, necessary, and yeah. would just knock people out of the way in order to get there. I think. And sometimes that knocking was exceedingly violent. But I think that's such a relatable venture, you know, just to get back what you lost. For sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's just sometimes it's the, uh, the means to an end. Sometimes the end is inherently villainous, but sometimes you have a good reason for it. Like with Lex Luthor, where you just wanted to make sure humanity is bettering themselves. It's great. Villains are cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this comes down to. And I I think we'll tap into that for each of these eight here. So should we get, should we get started here? Let's do this thing. Awesome. And once again, these seedings are completely random. The numbers mean absolutely nothing. This is just for kicks. But that being said, we'll get started with the first matchup. We have Jesse, James and Meowth from the Pokemon series going up against the Joker from the Batman animated series. So let's get five minutes on the clock and here we go. Alex, do you have any preference on this one right out of the gates? Uh, I am probably more biased towards Team Rocket from, oh. from, from more of a nostalgic standpoint. For sure. But uh, I, I'm not too familiar with the actual production and writing history of the Pokemon franchise. Right. But if you remember the first, like, probably five, six episodes, Team Rocket was really serious. Yes. And I'm not sure if they introduced them in that way to later show you, oh, no, these guys are just goofy, or if the seriousness wasn't quite working or it was too difficult right. to write for with every every weekly episode, so they made yeah. them more comedic. But uh, I like the foil of... The, I, I, yes. I guess not foil, per se, to Ash, but, like, Ash is very... 
Because because both groups, Ash and Team Rocket, are both focused on their goal. Ash wants to become a Pokemon Master. Team Rocket wants Pikachu. Yes. But their their ability to accept their own limitations differs so greatly that they <laughs> seem true. like near opposite characters. Yes. Uh, like Ash is more than willing to concede a battle. Yep. He's not happy about it, but he'll do it. And Team Rocket's always like, oh, no, we got this in the bag. Yeah, we, this, this is our week. We got this. Yes, they're always convinced that they're going to do it exactly that they're gonna that they're in this this is the episode that where they finally get pikachu exactly yeah i think that's a a, a great way to sort of frame them as the uh, ash without limitations be uh, knowing their goals but maybe foolishly pursuing them yeah yeah uh, 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 there, there's a certain hubris to these guys oh absolutely a great word no. great literary term <laughs> I, I do my best yeah now uh pokemon's been going on for Maybe twenty years. I think maybe I think it started in ninety eight. So yeah, so shortly after the original games were released. So it's, yeah, it right. must be twenty years upwards of that. Yeah. Um. Now I've only seen up through uh the Diamond and Pearl series. Okay. So I, I guess I stopped watching it regularly probably a decade ago. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but Team Rockets, they always had their moments of of showing their heart. Oh, absolutely. Like, like Team Rocket as an organization was cold-blooded, we want money, we want Pokemon, we want power. They were the that mafia was, of that, that universe. Yeah. That, that is exactly... They're, they have the boss named Giovanni. How yeah, are you not going to be a, be a mafia? <laughs> but these three in particular, this branch, this sect of Team Rocket, whatever yes. you want to call it, uh, they were very set on their goals, but not set on being monsters. Yeah, They, they would like bragging about how, yes, we're the bad guys, we're evil, we, we do what we want. But if someone was about to like die... They, I've, I can't remember any specific examples off the top of my head, sure. but I know I have seen James jump in to like save Ash or save a Pokemon yeah. from death and stuff. And like, it, it's if I can quote that Wreck It Ralph thing, just because I'm the bad guy doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. Yeah, no, that's and, a that's a great parallel actually. And, and these guys, these guys showed it a lot. And then like Jesse with her past of being uh, wanting to be Pokemon coordinator yeah. and being so gentle and having her. Uh, her Chansey that she grew up with and later discovered as a Blissey after it had evolved and like her heart melted. I'm like, yeah. there, there, there's a wholesome side to these guys. Oh yeah, they're absolutely humans, which is a really fun aspect. Except for, for one of them. Well, it's true. Uh. It's true. Meowth is, uh, for some reason, a New Jersey talking <laughs> Pokemon cat. It's it's fantastic. It's a great addition to their comedic relief role with the sure. show. Especially when he's arguably the most focused of them all. Yeah. He's he's the the least to tend away from that goal and maybe do the right thing. For sure, yeah. Fun. And, but he also was his own character. Do you remember the episode where he he learned how to talk? Yeah. Like it's like fantastic. he was like it's beaten down and stuff and then he like he wanted so badly to be able to relate to people, he would sneak into like a theater class during their vocal performances and learn how to talk cuz he wanted to be able to like relate to stuff. Oh, it's 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 good. It's yeah. good. He's a good guy. Yeah, well, absolutely. A, guy, a, good, a good character. <laughs> he's a good bad guy. He's a good bad guy. Oh, a bad good guy? No. <laughs> He's definitely a good bad no. guy. <laughs> but and what is what is there to say about the Joker? Holy cow! So, dude, I I'm definitely leaning towards the Joker on this just because of like I said, he is the iconic villain. He's an absolute opposite to what his hero represents. His hero is, hero is about order and maintaining peace, and the Joker just disrupts that. He and actively think, seeks out chaos. Yeah, yeah and I think. They do a really good job of capturing that as much as they can in a kid's show. I, there's parts where the Joker in the animated series 
threatens families. There's parts where you see how he interacts with Harley and it's really upsetting. It's genuinely upsetting because it's he's so cruel to her and will just I- ignore her for the sake of his own goal of pursuing Batman and making sure that he is always on his back foot. That sort of thing. And man, we're already on, on, on five minutes already. But oh, I think uh, the Joker just is the quintessential villain. I, uh, for me, he's what every villain should shoot for is just constantly disrupting and destabilizing what the what the hero represents and i don't think that team rocket has that gravitas uh and i think that's an important element of villainy for me but what do you what do you think what what does that presence mean to you this this particular joker like a big part of what makes him so uh, important is Mark Hamill's performance as him like yeah. that that like when you hear the when you hear Mark Hamill talk in this voice like you 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 think of that as the Joker if you if you see the Joker and hear anything else you're like that's all right I guess but it, yeah. it, it isn't the Joker Mark exactly. Hamill is the, the Joker. Joker um and no I agree because even though he was he was like a, a good blend of the of the 80s and 90s jokers yes. of the wacky kind of cartoony but also like insanely crazy stuff like there, yeah. there was one scene i remember of of him having his henchman he was talking about how he was gonna blow planes out of the sky an act of literal terrorism <laughs> and he was having his henchmen reenact this over a cardboard city with toy planes making yes. sounds like oh, and he made it sort of like a telethon That's, yeah exactly yeah because he yeah. asked like oh this is what will happen unless you pay me four million dollars yeah it's, it's, so it, 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 was, it was a very good blend and i do agree that by way of villain in this bracket as much as as much a soft spot as I have for Team Rocket, objectively, it would it, w- it would be Joker. He is the better villain. Okay. If 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 are we still casting votes or can I still go for a while? No. Are are you, if if you're willing to concede to the Joker, <laughs> I, 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 I just saw the five minutes was up. I was like, oh crap, am I? I was talking for too long already. No, no, absolutely. I'm really glad you brought up everything that Team Rocket represents because I think for a lot of us, especially our age, Team Rocket was just sort of uh, goofy, but we watch these episodes again and realize that they were characters and they had mm-hmm. their own motivations for being part of team rocket and sometimes defecting from them. And I think to see their growth and their sort of ebb and flow over the course of mm-hmm. the series is a really fun thing to watch. Uh, maybe not true villainy at the end yeah. of the day, but great characters nonetheless, especially for a, a children's anime based on a, a video game series. <laughs> and that actually might also be something to say, like this t- Pokemon has always been geared towards like a 10 year old audience or so. Batman, while it was a Saturday morning cartoon for kids, also knew that a lot of the parents probably read comics. Yeah. So they also wanted to make the stories interesting and stuff, which probably lended itself to certain kind of storytelling that Pokemon couldn't, couldn't go towards. Then there's the whole right. American J- J- uh, Japanese debate of the di- cultural differences. Right. So yeah, no, there's, there, there were probably some things lost in translation there. I know I've definitely watched some videos about some banned Pokemon. Oh, episodes yeah. Where Team Rocket uh, did some odd things. Oh, just, for sure. Just, just look it up. It's absolutely absurd. So, <laughs> in the best way possible. Yeah. I think. So, I think while we can agree that the Joker is the better villain here, jo- th- Joker th- won this round. Yeah. Then. we, But we really have to say go back and take a second look at Team Rocket. There's a lot more to them than what you might remember right so. yeah and and again first performance is mark hamill's joker it cannot be understated it is yeah. so iconic absolutely great well we'll talk about more of that later because joker's moving on to the next round he got the last laugh there <gasps> how long were you holding on to that one i was actually a little <laughs> bit more organic <laughs> all right than all right it might be looks was, like team rock is blasting off again oh right? yes <laughs> how did i miss that 
Oh, perfect. Okay, one oh more thing about God. Team Rocket, though. The yes. motto is fantastic. I oh, still, absolutely. I still love it. I hadn't seen the anime in quite some time, but in preparation for this, I went back and watched it. And it's so funny, especially with the ways that they play with it. Even in for like sure. the first couple seasons, with there's, there's one moment where... I think Meowth just pops up in front of them and says, we can just fast forward through this and holds <laughs> up a remote. And then you see like the fast forward logo. That is amazing. The They're, they do a lot more for wall, fourth wall breaking uh, than I remember. And earlier on than I remember, they, they introduced that element to Team Rocket early on. And I think that's a lot of fun, especially as a kid when that's like the first use of that type of joke making device that you really yeah. see. It's great. Uh, I, I want to throw on one thing. If you're, if you're bringing up the motto. Yes. Um, just to add to the mafia thing, do you realize like how much propaganda that saying is? Because it paints them as total heroes. We're yes. gonna save the day. We are Big Brother is your friend. Yes. You will let you you will love Team Unite Rocket all peoples within uh, our nation. Yes, it's it's so to, to denounce the evils of truth and love. We are truth and love. Not not on all the bad sides. Team Rocket is truth mm. and love. Oh my god! Like I, it wasn't until I saw it in writing and I realized what exactly they were saying. <laughs> Um, just another okay. reason to go back and check out Team Rocket yeah, and yeah. see what they're all about. It's it's a lot of fun. I think yeah. it's it was a great way to handle that that part of the games is to take the small group and have them sort of try to represent what that team is about, but kind of fail miserably. So, yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun. Good characters, but the Joker's moving on. Yeah. So next in the matchup, we have Bill Cipher going up against Mister Burns. I'm, okay, I'm really fascinated by this one because this is kind of old versus new. And ha, let's get old. Truly yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. It, it, both in the sense of the character and the show. Man. Yeah. This will be interesting. All right, we got five minutes on the clock. Here we go. Okay, so I, again, another uh, another introduction where I showed my cards a little bit early. I adore Bill Cipher. But Gravity Falls is one of my favorite series of all time, cartoon or otherwise. It's... So fun and terrifying and unsettling to see him just operate and do his thing. I, I think the Weird Mageddon episodes, the trilogy at the end of Gravity the Falls. The finale. Yeah. yeah. Is just a great example of that. He will just without abandon arrange people's faces or create giant flying eye bat monsters that turn people into stone and then take those people built of uh, made of stone and make a throne out of them. It's as you do. Yeah. He was just constantly testing the sensors for this Disney cartoon. <laughs> and that brings me a tremendous amount of joy just because uh, as Disney continues to grow and grow and become this corporate monolith, I yeah. think it's cool to see characters like that that aren't so palatable and so in that sense he's not only the villain of gravity falls but in the a villain in the way that disney's kind of growing so i yeah i agree with that yeah i dig the hell out of that that's what i love about him now gravity falls is one of my all-time favorite cartoons it, it yeah. is so well done i have both a dipper and mabel hat like yes. i i am i am passionate about the show and i think bill cypher is hilarious yeah like even from his first introduction of hey like when he it's not, not his first introduction but in one of his earlier ones when he talks to dipper and he's like hey want to see my impression of you in three seconds and then just <laughs> screams <laughs> Like that, that's well done. It's, it's, like you said, it's terrifying. It's comedic. However, and again, love the show, love the character. I do feel that Bill Cipher is kind of a one trick pony. 
He is evil okay. and he wants to conquer the world. And what else can you say about his character? Right. Yeah. His that his, is what he does. That's it, all he does. I think towards the end again in the the great weird McGinnon trilogy, he basically states his reason for invading Gravity Falls and at least what he thought was at the time the entire world. He basically just wanted to create an enormous party without rules and just be the host and just create uh, haphazard chaos that really didn't have any meaning. Well. So. This is actually stepping out of the show and stepping more into the <laughs> Gravity Falls extended universe, if you yes. want to call it that. <laughs> well, but the reason he came to our world is because he existed in the second dimension oh, yeah. and ruined it with basically a weird Mageddon. So he said, oh, I'll go somewhere else and try again. Yep. Because he's... He, Hence his triangular shape then, I suppose. Yes. What? You said he was from the second dimension. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were doing a plan words from when I said try again. I'm like, that was a stretch, but all right. No, okay. No, 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 no. yeah, that actually makes sense because he yep. he's a flat duty thing. Um, but I don't know, just the idea of him just being a villain for the sake or taking over the world because he wants to take over the world. There isn't, there isn't much, much motive there. It, right. it, it's It's a great villain for a kid's show where you, you just want the villain to be a bad guy and you want the heroes to win. That's great. It's, yep. it's, 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 it's good. It serves a story, but he, I don't know. He isn't. He isn't particularly diverse in his mindsets. That's true. I, again, I'll give you that. I do think he is hilarious, though. I love all of his interactions with anytime he meets a character. Yes. Um. And he himself is like how you can build lore in a show before Absolutely. before even introducing the character. Like everywhere, there's triangles and eyes, and even in the opening sequence, there's always yep. something new about Bill before you even know the character. Then he drops hints early on in the show, calling yeah. them like pine tree, shooting star, and question mark. And it's like, what's that? Speaking to mean? the whole cipher wheel, right? Exactly. Thing. And yeah. it's like that's like they 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 do it right from a world building perspective, but yeah. just as a character, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. I have some I have some similar reservations about Mr. Burns. Now, granted, The Simpsons is much more directly a comedy than a lot of the shows on this list. A lot right. of them have elements of action or elements of drama, but this Simpsons is very directly a comedic cartoon. It's very For it's sure. about the laughs. For sure. And it bothers me a little bit when a character they the jokes they serve the jokes as opposed to the other way around. Like, that's what I like about Bill Cipher is that he's a, a, a wonky, crazy demon god character. Mm-hmm. And the humor comes from that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like mis- the jokes are written into Mr. Burns. Like, early on in the series, he's just sort of an arbitrary old age. And they constantly keep increasing that throughout the series. Granted, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. Right. The, the whole bit when he consults phrenology you know like the, yeah right. like <laughs> measuring skulls and things yeah, like right, that right, right, it's right. a hysterical joke and all of his old references to like ancient baseball players and stuff like that people that will just go over everybody's heads i think the jokes are inherently good but i don't think they serve him as a character they'll just continue to sort of distort him to however or whatever way gets the most laughs i I agree. He, he he was wholeheartedly created that way, and he is still very much a throwaway character for yeah. jokes. Like being anytime that they need a rich or old joke, it'll probably be Mr. Burns. Yeah, it's true. Chances are, <laughs> um, but because the show like The Simpsons has been going on for so long, there are very few 
underdeveloped side characters. Yeah. Mr. Burns actually does have a story. I wouldn't say it exactly justifies making him a great villain sure. for this bracket by any means, but like he fought in World War II, maybe maybe oh, yeah. older war, wars and stuff. Uh, Alongside he, uh, Homer's father, right? Alongside yeah, Abe, exactly. Abe, yep. Yeah, um, which is ironic because one of the on, ongoing jokes is that Mr. Burns never remembers Homer's name. Yes. So he's like, who is that? Uh, that's Simpson, sir. Simpson, eh? Then yes. he just says, like, like, throw him away or something like that. But he never yeah. remembers Homer's name, which is ironic because Abe, his dad, was one of his closest friends. Yeah. Um, if I, now again, because the show's been going on so long, my memory's a bit spotty and a bit here and there. Um, but I'm pretty sure he had a very not okay relationship with his family and he ran right. away from home and okay. began living with a billionaire and got used to that lifestyle. So he wanted that. Yeah. I, I, I might be mistaken, but I'm, I, I'm pretty confident that is, that is what, what the case was for his character. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. Has a little bit more of an interesting background than uh, Bill Cipher maybe. Right. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm interesting. That's, I don't know. Are I, more relatable. Back relatable. There, I sure. get that. <laughs> that for sure. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I, then like, and then maybe you could view him as like, corruption of a youth or something like that and, you, and may, maybe make him a sympathizable character or, or something yeah. like that sympathetic character whatever yeah um yeah i i, I don't know <laughs> bill cypher can't really represent anything in our daily lives can yeah he? other than other than the, the, the chaos of not being in control or something if you wanted to try to reason <laughs> i don't know the philosophy of gravity falls <laughs> oh boy yeah i hmm. i would agree with that i there, there's definitely much more that Mr. Burns represents to us as people. He's the sort of general authority figure that is really inconsiderate of those that actually serve him. And you know, he's the, mm -hmm. that's the reason he's so successful is, well, maybe not for people like Homer, but people like uh, Smithers, you know, people who actually do good and serve his business and his ventures well. And, oh man, in terms of him playing that villain role within the Simpsons. It's crazy to think back, you know, like, like you mentioned, the Simpsons has been going on for so, so long. And I just, I don't necessarily associate the excellent thing with him. I just associate that with the villains. Like, really? Yeah. Like, like, that, uh, 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 steepling your fingers, fingers and stuff. Yeah. Excellent. But he was, he really made that sort of persona part of the, cultural zeitgeist if i'm using that term properly and the release the hounds release the hounds Again, yeah just another thing that harry shearer's performance of that is so funny it's amazing and the fact that we associate that with villains as a whole and not just that character i think speaks to his impact so man as much as i love bill cypher i think I might have to go. With I, I'm going to have to go with one. Burns. And, and yeah. I, that pains me too, because I, well, well, well I, I do love the Simpsons. I am more of a gravity falls fan. So I, I admit I did have a bias towards bill, but yeah, I'm like, I'm, too. I, I, I have to give it to Burns. Yeah. It's interesting because not only are these two cartoons very different in age, you know, uh, gravity falls started out in like early oh. 2010s and right. Simpsons was late eighties, uh, early nineties, uh, mid to late eighties. Uh, yeah. 88, I think. Yeah. And, just to see how much more time the Simpsons has to develop this character and the, the how very little time they had to develop Bill Cipher. Uh, I think it's interesting to compare that because Gravity Falls is a lot more focused on storytelling. It's, For sure. Tried to pack a lot into those two seasons. Give them a few more years. Lord knows who Bill would be at this point. And maybe, maybe he would have blown point. Burns out of the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they would have maybe given a little bit more time to who he was as 
a talking Dorito. I don't I, I, I feel wrong calling him a person. <laughs> but just also Alex Hirsch's out. performance of Bill Zyver was so good. Like yeah. I, obviously Alex Hirsch did like half the cast in the show, but <laughs> but even it just as Bill, he did such a great job. It's it's cool to find voices that when you look at the actor's face, you can't imagine that voice coming out of that right? face. Right. Yeah. Um and then it just maybe this is patronizing, but one more point to to Bill Cipher's credit as a character himself. He had the his voice was so pleasant to the point of being creepy. Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm gonna make your eyes bleed. It's right. like, oh, that's that's an issue. Yes, he's he almost does have this childlike quality to yeah. him that makes him all the more upsetting. When he when he first appears, one of my favorite things that he's ever done on the show, because it was so out of left field and it immediately set the president for who he was, is uh, Gideon, another sort of secondary villain of the series, summons him and he appears and he's like, how about some deer teeth? Because they're in the woods. And he rips te- teeth out of a deer nearby and hands them over. Again, just a great example of... The chaos that he wanted to bring. Yeah, especially for in this show within this giant megalo property. He, he just does wonderful things in yes. spite of Disney. <laughs> in spite... In spite of Disney, indeed. And that's what I love about him. So watch him for that. Go back and watch Gravity Falls if you haven't. Hopefully I haven't spoiled too much for you here. But it's uh, a great series, and Bill Cipher is just one small slice of what makes that series fantastic. So amazing. So yeah. amazing. So Mr. Burns is, has released the hounds on Bill Cipher. Excellent. Moving moving on. That one was an easy one. We already, yeah, that, yeah, that okay. one was right for the picking. All right. So next on the bracket, we have Plankton. From SpongeBob SquarePants, going up against Mojo Jojo from Powerpuff Girls. Let's get five minutes on the clock. Here we go. I can talk about both of these characters for so long. Awesome. Okay, I love so, it. So, and they're actually surprisingly similar in their origin stories. Yeah. So, Plankton and Mr. Krabs were best friends growing up. Right. And then now Plankton was all, was pretty obviously more corrupt early on. Yeah. Uh, he was always focusing on the money. Like when they first made their first hamburgers together, Plankton was always focused on the money, and Mr. Krabs was, but. For other reasons, Mr. Krabs just was poor and loved having money. Plankton wanted money for power. Yes. Um, and then there was a falling out, and then they became bitter enemies. Mojo Jojo was Professor Utonium's assistant that yes. knocked his arm and spilled the chemical axe, creating the Powerpuff Girls and, and mutating his brain, thus effectively creating his own rivalry and villainship right there as well. And yeah. it's it, the parallels between these two. When you, when you showed me what, how, who, who's going to be up against each other, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this could not be a better pairing. The, the spurned friends. Exactly. Up in this yeah. Matchup. It's great. Um, now, now Plankton and Mojo Jojo are both geniuses. Uh, yes. Plankton has his, his business, which might, which may, might not be successful, but the chum bucket exists. He's a businessman. <laughs> He's a scientist and inventor. He built his own wife. Uh, that says a lot Karen. to his brain. I love Karen. <laughs> Mojo Jojo has a mutated intelligence as demonstrated by his very visible brain protruding out of his head. Mm-hmm. And is also mad scientist, inventor. doesn't have a wife yet, but you know, there's love out there. You, you <laughs> monkey man. Um, more monkeys in the jungle, more fish in the sea. There's something. Monkey, there. so, there's got to be a joke somewhere <laughs> in there. Um, that being said, I feel like the thing to really distinguish these two is their relationship with their counterparts. Yes. Now, SpongeBob treats Plankton nicely, but ultimately, Plankton's rivalry is with Mr. Krabs, who yep. treats Plankton like garbage. Yes. Like he is, he is, he is a fly on the windshield that Mr. Krabs just keeps keeps wiping the windshield wipers, despite it not smudging, despite it not going away. He smudges it like crazy. Yes, the Powerpuff Girls do. 
they are they aren't they don't hate Mojo Jojo. Right. They just have to stop him, and sometimes you know aggressively because Mojo Jojo <laughs> is persistent. But they 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 do have a soft spot, like right. like they do to a certain degree care for him. I would say. Yeah, there's even some episodes where you see Mojo Jojo become a very regular citizen of Townsville. Hundred percent. Like there's a couple episodes where he acts as sort of a babysitter to the power. Yep, yep, I remember that one. It's hysterical. And there's another one that comes to mind is when Bubbles becomes Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo's mind gets put into Bubbles' body. It's so funny. But you see him like literally stripped down, but also like emotionally stripped down. (laughs) Yes. And so he really has to face himself and the performance that he puts on. And there's this great bit where... You know, Mojo Jojo's sort of thing with his speech is that he gets very long-winded and repeats himself, and the sentences sort of double back on each other and just become really redundant. Yeah. And Bubbles does that in front of him, and he just looks so infuriated. He's like, I don't talk like that. And he, and in the process of explaining himself, he's like, I am not redundant. I do not repeat anything in any sort of way. I am very concise, and yeah, it's... It's so fun. It's such a that great, is surprisingly amazing writing for a, a little kid show. Exactly, and so I think to see see those moments with Mojo Jojo is really fun. And I think there are the counter to that. I think there's plenty of moments where Plankton is again sort of reduced to just another citizen and just trying to make his way in the world. Yeah. Villainy aside, yeah, I, I think there's some great weird family drama between him and Karen sometimes that's kind of grounded in our lives. It's cool. I never would have thought about to characterize as family drama, but that is what, what that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Banter is surprisingly real. It might just be because Karen has a Midwestern accent and it sounds a little too familiar. (laughs) For some reason we can relate to that. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Uh, No, I think that Karen's dry, almost bitter sarcasm towards yeah. Plankton, who at times gets and other times is so caught up in his own mind, he just it doesn't even phase him. I think that dynamic works so well. It's it really does. so funny. Yeah. Um, I, it's really fantastic. I at the end of the day, I it, what comes down what it comes down to for me is which one of the uh, these is more genuinely evil? For both both of them at a certain point just start, sort of start fulfilling a role. They continue to be the rival to their rivals for mm-hmm. that for its own sake. Uh, I think maybe Mojo Jojo more than the others because there's other villains that pop up in Townsville. Some great villains. I I, I love him for example. Like him is a, so creepy. I know such a fantastic character. And there's times when he'll team up with him or he like fuzzy lumpkins the exactly. amoeba boys the rowdy rough boys he, yeah he acts as like a father to the rowdy rough boys at times yeah and the fact that he will concede that villain role once in a while uh not necessarily to go back and be a citizen but to be something different to somebody else is it's cool i don't know if that makes him a better I, villain though i i in the and who's being more evil in that topic I do think it's Plankton because Mojo Jojo is fueled almost exclusively by betrayal yeah. making a vendetta. Uh, so at times, if he, if he no longer feels betrayed, he no longer plays a villain role. Right. Um, whereas Plankton, while he is obviously fueled by betrayal and vendetta, he, like I said before, he was just kind of a power hungry guy to begin with. Yeah. I think it ultimately, ultimately makes him more evil, nice. especially yeah. especially in both of these franchises, respective movies uh, in which both these villains were the main villains. I think Plankton was much more menacing and evil, much much more 
cold hearted. Yeah. In his pursuit, taking over the whole town via mind control. Yeah, that's and it's pretty evil. <laughs> and then taking over the king of the sea with mind yeah. control, like that's that's all sort. Which also, uh, I guess I, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, I gave must have given him too much credit saying he was an evil genius because he was like, yeah, you know, A through Y, the alphabet. And Karen's <laughs> like, you, what about Z? Z, like he, he forgot an entire letter of the alphabet. So maybe, maybe at time, maybe there are gaps in his knowledge. But, yeah. Um, to speaking of letters, though, uh, one of the first great glimpses we get into the scale of Plankton's villainy is when he's singing the the F U N fun song. Yeah, SpongeBob. Uh, F, F is, is for, for fire, fire that, that burns, burns down, down the whole town. town. U is for uranium mm, bombs. bombs. And is for no survivors. <laughs> oh God, it was. It's it, that's it, good stuff. It's kind of a one-off bit, but it really it speaks to the scale of yeah. what Plankton really has in mind. Whereas uh, Mojo Jojo might be a little bit more reserved to his day-to-day routine with the Powerpuff Girls. I so. I, I remember there was some uh, whodunit episode of the Powerpuff Girls. They were like something bad was happening, and they were going through all the villains, and but no one was like, and all the villains who are not only really proud of what they do yeah. was like, no, this wasn't me. And Mojo Jojo, I think, was. He was either cleaning his home or he was like walking down the street with groceries in a bag or something yes. like that. And I'm like, this is surprisingly uh, ordinary. Yeah. Very tame and like domestic. <laughs> domestic. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think. Hmm. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to give it to Plankton. I'm going to give it to Plankton too, because we can speak to these figures as, uh, as characters and their depth as characters for a very long time. But Oh, we got to think about ultimately where that characterization lands them. And I think that with Plankton, he really is a genuinely evil guy who would really mm-hmm. like more and more. For and sure. Mojo Jojo, once he gets his way, he sort of just hits the reset button. And it's like, all right, now we'll come up with a new scheme and face Powerpuff Girls again. That sort of thing. He's he's very much wrapped up in his routine, whether it's being a citizen of Townsville or uh, playing that villain role yep. against the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. But... Plankton keeps shooting for the stars. Yeah, I uh, I was very okay with who, whoever would win this. Like Me this too. one, I didn't have a bias in, so I'm like, I'd be happy seeing either of these guys continue. So both of these guys are a delight to watch for sure. And then I, yeah, just both their backstories just being so similar and having a matched yeah. up. I'm like, this, oh, this, the stars aligned for this for this this matchup. Absolutely. Well, uh, ooh, I, okay, so Plankton. Oh, this is going to be grotesque. Ground Mojo Jojo up into Chum, maybe? Nah, maybe even a little bit too evil for him. <laughs> that was very, very descriptive of you, Dan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had to pull back a little bit there. But Plankton's moving on to the next round. And in the final quarterfinal matchup, we have Skeletor versus Mr. Crocker from Fairly Odd Parents. Here we go. Five minutes on the clock, starting now. Okay. Uh, sorry, did you want to you want to begin? Yeah, this is just an interesting matchup. Again, we sort of yeah. have the old versus new happening here, mm-hmm. and Skeletor has sort of outgrown that old cartoon in kind of a weird way. We he sort of maybe today is more of a meme, a meme, yeah, than anything else. We when we think of Skeletor, we don't think about his villainy. We think about and that really unusual but iconic voice performance and the fact that he's been reduced to that is interesting uh what do you think okay so the skeletor we're focusing on is is the original 80s skeletor yeah which i had never watched 
uh, religiously by any means. And I had, I had watched a few episodes of the 90s series because it was one of those shows that my father knew about. And he was like, oh, hey, we should watch this. We yeah. should watch He-Man. Yeah. I'm like, oh, all right, uh, cool. And I saw a few episodes. It was whatever. The first real memory I have with Skeletor is the robot chicken bit with all the oh, villains in the sure. car. Yeah. And he closes the windows and farts and does like, now nah, you'll taste, now nah, you'll smell the power of Skeletor's <laughs> breakfast bean burrito or something like that. It was, it was like, that's that's what I first knew Skeletor as. I knew him as as a joke character, as a just joke right. representation of him. Then going back and listening to like uh, Alan Oppenheimer's performance yes. of him and stuff, Fantastic. it was so well done. Um, I was telling you earlier, he seemed like the one person on the show who was, who was acting and giving yep. a performance and everybody else was just kind of reading lines. Yep. Um, which yeah. I think just, 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 just makes you care more or, or, or more interested in the villain of the show than the hero, which yeah. is just rare. Yeah. He really stood out. Uh, yeah. if just for his performance, he, he really had a voice all his own, uh, literally speaking and uh, a little bit more metaphorically speaking, of course, <laughs> I, I, I think it's so fascinating because Skeletor is, so unintentionally funny. Right? It's... Oh, my gosh. I watched this great compilation of just all of his insults. He uses the word fools almost every other line. It's uh, exactly what you want from a a character that's very strictly in their villain box. And his... uh, One time he calls somebody a cabbage. It's fantastic. Really? Yeah. (laughs) He's like, ah, uh, that cabbage was never worth my time anyway. He's like, wait, did you just call that guy a cabbage? Is that... (laughs) What? Oh, burn, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like you can't tell if it was a if it was an intentional for the time it was supposed to be taken seriously or if it's just morphed into something that it's just like a little time capsule of the weird conception of villainy that we had back then, or at least fantasy. Right. Fantasy villainy. villainy. Speaking of going on the fantasy aesthetic, then the, uh, he was, he was a sorcerer too. He was a yes. magician. He had, he, he had magic and he used it for evil. I mean, yeah. he, that was, we like to joke about him and stuff. He, he was a bad guy. He yeah. was a villain. Yep. Uh, I remember a few scenes of him. Uh, I think it was one of the earlier episodes. I think episode three or four. Um, he's he stormed this one. I don't know if it was a palace or just like a hideout or like yeah. he was he was he was in he was in in a room with someone of high command and the guards came in. He just lifted his finger and sent them all flying out like just just, mag- just magically sent them out of the room. It's like this guy yeah. has power. Skeletor is strong. He is funny, but he is strong. Yeah, and that's it's cool to see that contrast between the the performance that we see. We're so focused on the voice and the the laugh and everything like that, but there's there's some real power there as opposed to. Mr. Crocker, who, who is certainly evil, but also very, very sad. <laughs> so sad. Well, I mean, so it, I, it's, it's, I guess I should, we should have said this earlier. Is, is it cool for spoilers? Because I'm just going to talk about his character and I, his backstory and stuff. I, I don't think there's, <laughs> thankfully, there's not too many people invested in the Fairly Odd Parents lore story. <laughs> At least I hope. Yeah. <laughs> okay, as much well, so, as I love that show. So, so Cosmo and Wanda, Timmy's godparents, were Crockers first. Yes. And Timmy, in going back in time, was the reason he lost them. Timmy created his own main villain yeah um, sort of which, a running theme here in some of these cartoons yeah, yeah i guess creating your own it's, villains, it's, yeah. and it's it's which like you said makes him really sad and he's also timmy is the reason crocker is so obsessed now yep. i've not I, i've not seen the episode in quite some time but i remember so vividly timmy feeling so bad for making denzel lose cosmo and wanda left him a note saying fairies are real yep. s- spurring on his obsession clearly long into adulthood yeah um it, it's such it's 
in a weird way, Mr. Crocker's, even though he has this absurd obsession, a lot of his problems are grounded in very everyday things. Like, like his main motivation is at a certain point, it stops being about the power of fairies and just proving that he's not, he's wrong not crazy. And insane. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially at work. I mean, like his, his, his home life isn't great. His, uh, his mom isn't the best mom. Everyone at work makes fun of him. Yep. All he has is, is his, his drive to prove, like you said, that he's not wrong, that he, right. he is not crazy. That keeps him going. It seems like at times, um, which just in turn makes him more, eccentric and thus yeah. separating him even more from the people in his life and making him more of a weirdo. Um, like his, his obsession with just yelling fairy godparents yeah. oh, all man. the time. Uh, a, okay. We, we've talked a little bit about catchphrases here and Mr. Crocker with the whole fairy godparents or I'll give you an F. Give you an F. That's, that's another great element to these villains that I think he captures very well. Yeah. And despite his very human faults in the, in the episode where everything is dessert and everyone's like flying on a sugar rush for a while, Crocker shined in that moment. Cause obviously sugar rush, he's going a million miles an hour and he's just like, a for AJ. It's like, now I'm going to go run a marathon, but first fairy godparents, fairy godparents, fairy godparents, then jumps out the window. And I'm like, like that, that is a 10 second win window that just like catches every single core aspect of the character comedically yes. and and throws them all at you. Yeah. Um it's however like Skeletor who has his funny sides there is also a power aspect. Mr. Crocker as soon as he gets the upper hand, he he becomes destructive. He becomes yep. a force to be reckoned with. Yep. Like in the episode so uh or the TV movie I think it was where Timmy had Cosmo Wanda for a year and he was given the the muffin that grants yes. any wish of no rules and Crocker gets it and he he rules the world with that. Like he is not to be stopped. He's like I am I am here. You are going to respect me kind yeah. of thing. He creates this crazy dystopia and I it's it's interesting cuz you could think about that as like a one-off episode sort of thing, but uh, or episodic element in this movie, but he has that in mind. Like that, mo- the motivation to be that evil is there early on. He, I think in one of the first episodes, he talks to AJ or what's, what's uh Timmy Turner's other friend, Chester, Chester. Yes. Yeah. He talks to them and tries to motivate them to do something in order to hurt Timmy. And the motivation that, he gives them and what eventually turns them to his size is like, I'll give you a place in my new world order. And they're like, got it. All right. And so like that seed is there. He's, he's not, he's certainly sad, but he's, he doesn't let that stop him. Perhaps he lets that motivate him too much to the point where he takes over the world. Too much to an extent. Um, I also feel like he is someone who just from the show's history needs to work alone. Anytime he's partnered up with anybody, he messes up. But if if he's by himself, he does great. Like like one of my favorite episodes is when he pairs up with uh, Norm the Genie. Yeah. And it, the whole episode's about them, and Timmy's just like a side character for that episode, yep. who kind of comes in and out. But even then, they they as his plans mess up, and then even the show rips on Crocker all the time. Like obviously, his design is very unique. Oh, he yeah. has his head. Then there's some kind of weird curve. <laughs> then his ear is there, and they make a joke about that, where uh, he ends up in a situation where he's covered in chicken feathers and falls into like this, this deep fried chicken fast food chain. And Timmy is happens to be there and see it and goes, that was one, one ugly chicken. And as they're walking away, Cosmo goes, what was that thing on his neck? <laughs> like, like, like they're, they're always, even the show rips on him, which I feel in bringing back the, uh, uh, making him a serious villain. Yeah. 
that makes up for all the times they rip on him because they're like, ha, this guy's a throwaway joke. This guy's a throwaway character. Let's make fun of him here and there. But then as soon as they give him power, it's like, let's make let's make this worth our time. Let's make let's make all those jokes yeah. fuel him and make him upset. Like you were saying before, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's make that sadness his motivator for for getting where he's going. Right. That's well said. I think I think that's really what's going to set Mr. Crocker apart from Skeletor here in this case, because we are always playing along with the impression of Mr. Crocker. He's like, when he's funny, he's very funny, and we're laughing along, and we pity him, that sort of thing. But when he's a threat, we, have, as an audience, have to take him seriously along with the characters. With Skeletor, there's sort of this disconnect where we're never taking him seriously, and He-Man is always taking him seriously. Always, yeah. Yeah, it's... I think part of that is due to the structure and the what the show is about, and it's about selling toys, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and, and the time when the shows came out, even. Like, like right. back then, the bad guys were meant to be stopped by the good guys pretty easily. Yep. And it even though Fairly Odd Parents has been around since about 2000. Really odd. It's, yeah. yeah it's that, at that point, villains were sort of allowed to be a little bit more and to be grounded in our daily life and sort of flip-flop and then suddenly just amaze you with how absolutely insane they could be. For sure, for sure. I'm going with Mr. Crocker. I'm going to go one. Crocker too. Uh, yeah. Still, I and again, I and I feel like we may have been swayed because Skeletor is kind of a meme nowadays. Right. Whereas Crocker, he, uh, I, I honestly don't know the last time I've really thought about him as right. a character. I mean, I think Skeletor has more staying power, but because of the joke aspect, not exactly the villainy aspect. So. Right, and because of his, I think, I think something we got to give credit to is Skeletor's design. It's very classic, like '80s fantasy. I think it's an incredible design. It's so I, good. I, like, like for being an '80s cartoon, like that's the, his skull had had quite a bit of detail to it. Like, yeah. like it was it was a creepy thing, despite it being, despite the eye holes still having a furrowed brow and looking <laughs> yeah. mad. I, I don't quite get how that works, but hey, he's a magician. Maybe maybe he figured something out. Yeah, I can uh, manipulate his bone face to be expressive. Sure, I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> and a skeletal face with a jacked body. I mean, all right, yeah. sure, why not? Yeah, I mean. At the end of the day, we do want an action figure of him, don't we? You know. So the show <laughs> yeah. did its job, not exactly posing the greatest villain in the world. But, but darn it, they sold toys. toys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So, oh boy. Crocker. Crocker. What did he do to, to Skeletor? He, fairy nets. <laughs> he, he, that's going to be one big F for Skeletor. Yeah, Boom. there we go. That's it. I love it. That's fantastic. All right. So let's review the standings so let's we have the joker going up against mr burns okay that's gonna be cool (laughs) and then we have plankton going up against mr crocker all right so we're moving into the semifinals let's talk the joker and mr burns five minutes on the clock here we go. I I feel like I gushed too much about Team Rocket. Let's. I, I want to devote more time to Joker here. Yeah. To, to, to really to really do him justice. Yeah. Or, absolutely. Or injustice. Whatever. Because um, I, at the end of the day, I don't think there's any villain who has been straight up studied to the to the <laughs> level that the Joker is. He's really become a, a literary archetype and and writing example in his own right. Not to get yeah. too heady and too academic about it, but I think No, no, I think I think that's a very valid point you brought up. Like he is he is uh uh a go-to and when people think of villains joker is going to be at least in there in there for the first five people they think of right there's something so shakespearean about the the way that <laughs> poetical no here. really I, I i thank you but <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I really, <laughs> I, I really firmly believe that because you know he enjoys so much playing the villain and mm-hmm. just being the opposite of what everybody else is valuing, and to to see to see the ways that he can destroy people's hope like that's he gets inherent joy out of that and i think that's such a powerful concept for a villain and i think the animated series puts that on quite quite well i think there's some really fantastic moments with him and just how like they're the christmas episode for example when he really just (laughs) lights the fuse and lets it burn down he turns on Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies, and then suddenly you see, shifting out of the shadows, these giant nutcrackers who try to crush Batman and Robin. Just creep me out. Yeah, it's like, it's there's something so sinister in the way he toys with the villainy. It's great. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I enjoy that so much, and... Every time I see that character, whoever's playing him, whoever's voicing him, as as long as it has that element to it, uh, I think the Joker really succeeds because Batman doesn't play, and the Joker that's he lives for play. That's all he really does. Like yeah. even if he's scheming, he's he's like, how can I have fun with this? Yeah. Um. I have, I have to be careful not to shift into any other media for Joker. So uh, yeah, correct me if I'm tough. wrong. Was the Red Hood storyline part of the this the animated series, the original animated series? Because I I know it was part of later later cartoons, right. but was it part yeah. of the original? I don't think it was part of the animated series because there was an intent for a while to actually introduce. Uh, the Joker and his his former human persona, which has been completely abandoned, but it was <laughs> going to be revealed that that persona, like in the Tim Burton movies, uh, killed Batman's parents. That was never actually that ever actually came I'm, to I'm, be. I'm glad because that doesn't. I, I, I'm a yeah. comic nerd, so I'm like that one. That's that's that's, that, that's not right. But yeah, okay, it's, uh, it's it's one of those things for me where when when the Joker is given that role, it sort of uh, defeats the arbitrary d- element of what happened to Bruce's parents. Right. No. So. It, it 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 gives him a purpose, and ultimately, the Joker's thing is that he doesn't have a purpose. He is doing things just because. Yes. He wants. He's he's like I'm. I'm going to do this. It's going to make chaos, and I'm going to smile the entire time. Right. And. The fact that Batman is there is almost happenstance. If anybody else were to fulfill Batman's role in Gotham City, he would play the same way with right, that exactly. person. We see so many, maybe not necessarily in the animated series. Again, we have to be careful about limiting our, our scope of what the Joker <laughs> is. But he, he, when Superman is getting in his way, he's like, oh, okay, so I see what Superman is, and I'm going to twist that ideal around. Yep. Or, or even, even, even just like Wonder or, Woman, anybody. Or even if it's just like, he, he also doesn't discriminate uh, on like superheroes. He'll fight the sidekicks. He he, yep. is, he has attacked Robin. He has attacked Batgirl. He he doesn't go for it. He also has attacked the Penguin. He doesn't yeah. care about if if something's in his way, he'll light it on fire and keep walking. Yeah, and I think uh, light it on fire and keep walking. That's <laughs> that is the Joker philosophy in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, just look for the next thing to light on fire, and that's that's exactly what he's about. That's great, and I think the best example of that is his relationship with Harley. And who, 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 what was made for the show? Yeah. This is, this is incredible. And for, for her own right, the show was so impactful that she became her own thing. But anyway, go on. Yeah. And it's, it, it, Harley is definitely her own character and all that. But I think she did such a great job of informing how truly insane and in to a very in a very evil way the joker is tunnel minded uh he has that tunnel vision and it's just to see him disregard somebody who has very clear affection for him is 
it's really heartbreaking to watch sometimes. It, it made him an even colder character than what he yeah. was because we only ever see him interact with with people in spandex and like, yeah. hey, this is like the stakes are are grandiose. They're superheroes. Yeah. This is big. When there's someone committing a real human emotion to him and he still treats her like like a joke that that <laughs> just makes him even an even darker character. Like, holy crap. Yeah, there's. There's something to be said about the villainy of, you know, building giant robots and crushing the city and that sort of thing. But there's something really chilling about the villainy of day-to-day interactions and sort of disrupting what could have been a relationship. And it's it's crazy. Oh, yeah. man. It's it's weird that a character who's all smiles is, is one of the darkest. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, man, I... As, as much as the Joker is, is, is lauded can... Uh, Mr. Burns even stand a chance. It's tough to say. I I I could try to defend Mr. Burns. I I think I think Joker does have this round. But but in the interest of giving giving Burns his fair chance, I mean yep. he is equally cold. He doesn't care about other people yep. other than himself. Now I, obviously I'm sure there are there's got to be a few episodes where he has a soft spot for someone. Oh yeah. Um, but I remember he. It, the Joker is the most important Batman villain, like hundred percent, uh, yep. inarguably. Mr. Burns, but, but but the Joker doesn't have to appear all the time. It, you, you you can go through a, a cavalcade of Batman's other villains and then, then, then come back to Joker if you want to. Mr. Burns has his place as the, I mean, that's the richest man in Springfield, obviously, yep. but also in in the meta show, the main villain. Like the, oh, I'm blanking on the season. It's within the first eight seasons, but it was mm-hmm. a season finale who shot Mr. Burns. Yeah. Everybody in the town was freaked out because Mr. Burns, the most powerful man in the city, was shot. So it, was someone trying to kill him? What happened? All these things happened. It made a whole two-story arc and it ended with the season finale, finished up with a season premiere. Um, Mr. Burns matters more to the people of Springfield, but for reasons of fear and stuff, right. more than I feel the Joker matters to the people of Gotham because there are so many other things to worry about in Gotham. In Springfield, yeah. Mr. Burns kind of has kind of has a, a you want to call it a monopoly on <laughs> on on the scary bad figure. Nice, the Joker yeah. is is another face in the crowd of the villains. Now, admittedly, he's a very he is a very prolific face. Yep, but he is with a bunch of other people. Yeah. Um. So I think that would be one Mr. Burns' one claim that the Joker doesn't have right his importance in his world. Yeah, that's a really good point. I. I'm trying to think of maybe on a larger scale about the types of characters that these two are. Like people try to make jokers all the time. They try to make that character all the time. And I don't think I can't think of an example that succeeds better than what the Joker does. You know, I, the Joker does the Joker archetype the best. Um, and I'm not sure that Mr. Burns, even though he set the precedence for these sort of uh, broad, evil, greedy, villainous biz- businessmen, uh, I'm he, not sure he's the best example of that archetype. I, no, I would. I, I mean, I'm biased to Lex Luthor, but yeah. no, that's a, yeah, that's a, <laughs> um, no, no, I, I, I would give you that. Even if he, he wasn't, Mr. Burns was not the first greedy businessman villain. He's yeah. not going to be the last one. And he arguably isn't even the best one. Right. Uh, the joke. No, I, I agree. The Joker is the archetype of the, uh, chaotic. Well, I don't want to say archetype of chaotic evil. Like, there's who, who knows how where you could pull from that. Yeah. But he is a, a very, very perfect example of. I want to watch the world burn. Yeah, exactly. In fact, oh, I guess that was the wrong, wrong Batman franchise to pull from. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I, I, I think though there's a lot to be said about 
how how well the Joker does what he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Burns could be a, a, a better evil businessman. But and as, we're evaluating and, him on that on those grounds. And like you said, The Simpsons is made to be a comedy. You can't right. you can't make a true evil villain and still go haha. Yeah. Well, right. I, I guess the Joker's actually proof you can, but in, in a, it's a very different way. Sitcoms meant to make you feel good. The Joker's dark humor. Yeah. Joe Joker is is nervous laughter, and then uh, because you know, hear me out. <laughs> see if this makes sense. You can laugh more when Batman's there because even though you are a third party just watching a screen, Batman being there makes things feel safer. It makes yes. you more willing to laugh. If there was. A, I'm sure there are scenes of the Joker monologuing and being evil and still you know, giggling mm-hmm. to himself, but where you probably aren't laughing along with him because it's right. terrifying. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I, I think the, the Joker is 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 the winner here. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. It's it's tough to go up against the Joker. Is a true force of nature, <laughs> and uh, credit to Mr. Burns for really almost being an odd duck on this, on this bracket because he, I'm amazed he got past round one. <laughs> yeah. He's, he really resides in a almost strictly comedic space and his, his cruelty rarely goes beyond whatever makes the audience laugh. So mm-hmm, right. I think for that reason, that uh, is a detriment to him in this bracket, but uh, it makes him a blast to watch. That's for sure. I think he's, he's, he's found his spot. He's carved it out and he serves it well. Oh, whether or not you enjoy modern day Simpsons or not, you know, right, he's, right. He's, oh yeah. That's, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He's, he serves his, his role in that show. Well, doesn't quite make the impact that the Joker does for villains worldwide, <laughs> so to speak. So I guess you could say the Joker had the last laugh. Yes, of course. Wait, did we use that one last time? We did. Darn it. I thought I was being <laughs> clever. I don't know. We, we've made so many villain puns. I couldn't damn it. Whatever. Let's see. Uh, the the Mr. Burns got hit with the tomato that time. Got booed off the stage. There, we'll do that. That'll work. I'll give it to you. Yeah, it'll work. <laughs> Anywho. We're not trying to impress anybody. <clears throat> Just trying to make it through the episode on our puns. <laughs> can only fuel so many puns. So. All right. All right. We have the next semifinal match. In the last semifinal match, we have Mr. Crocker going up against Plankton. Got five minutes on the clock starting now. Okay, so man, I, I was impressed by how de- deep we got into Mr. Crocker's psyche uh, <laughs> in the last round. I'm definitely, I'm not gonna lie. I think there's really something to be said about somebody who's so pitiable, but at the same time can use that as a stepping stone for being truly kind of awesome in a weird way, you know, just uh, creating a whole world in his image. For I, sure. That's really impressive. Uh, and then, <laughs> I think that's a cool element of his character. And his voice actor, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name. I really don't know. I know his first name's Carlos. Uh, okay. uh, the very, very first Spiral of the Dragon, actually. Oh, um, uh, cool. He, like, like his Mr. Crocker voice is so well done. It, it has the, 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 eccentric wild aspect of his yes. of all of his weird idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. um and then but his villainous monologues while still kind of having you know that cartoonist twinge to them yeah. are very well crafted and very well done like 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 he means business when he does it right like any 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 speech he does once he has attained power it's 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 well crafted it's well done yeah and i think what's cool on the other side of that is the voice performance even in those quiet moments when he's just going about his life as a teacher, there's still that sense that he 
it's still a little unhinged that, you know, you you push the wrong button and he's going to go off. He is a which, ticking time bomb. Exactly. And that's what happens in the show. A wrong button is pushed and suddenly. Quite frequently, in fact. Yep. And he's freaking out about fairies, attributing whatever crappy things happening to him to fairies. And then his uh, sight is set on yeah. his goals. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really the fun of Mr. Crocker. Plankton is plankton. <laughs> okay, so uh, so I, I he's always credited as Mr. Lawrence. I'm pretty sure his yes. voice actor's name is Doug Lawrence. Doug Lawrence, yep. That was such a perfect casting type. This man with his deep, booming voice. Yes. Hello, SpongeBob is is the is the literal is the literal smallest character that they could make on a show like this, and it's so well crafted. And in the episode where you find out Mr. Krabs and Plankton's past, yep. even even as a baby, Plankton had the exact same voice. It was not higher pitch or anything. It just goo. That's right. It was. Oh, I, well, yep. God, it was it was so well done. Um, Mr. Lawrence, I feel does uh, because of how. I guess serious his voice sounds yeah. it makes the villain plans sound all the more impactful yeah. and also makes the comedic moments more powerful uh anytime he has a brain fart or is like sarcastic like uh, for example in uh the Krusty Krab training video mm-hmm. plankton's in so it's it's a a montage of different scenes or so to speak. And one of the scenes uh, they have plankton stealing a Krabby Patty by making, basically making it into a spider and walking away. Yes. And he's like, you'll never catch me crabs. Not when I shift into maximum overdrive and cracks a whip and it just goes a little faster. <laughs> Mr. Krabs catches it. Then finally just kind of stares off as stares off in the distance and goes, I knew I should have gotten the turbo. <laughs> like, like his, his the, the voice yeah. acting is so well done for the, the impactful, powerful, I will win moment. And that damn it. I lost moment. Yeah. Like, it, it, makes it works. That, it makes that defeat all the more funny. Funny, yeah. And it makes it more believable when he comes back and hits just a little bit harder. Harder. Yes, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I I I love Plankton for that. He's he's definitely persistent in a different way than Crocker is. Crocker is he's mentally unstable. He's going to try 100%. the same thing over and over and expect different results. That's the yeah. classic example of what being in that kind of state means, but Plankton is really motivated by a, a want for power and can we also talk about how he tried to shack up with Krabs's mom that's right I totally forgot <laughs> about that episode it, it, it's creepy it's cringy it, it, it isn't the best written episode but in relation to his rival that's a very interesting tactic now admit- power move <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah. Now, the weird thing was though I don't entirely think it was a power move. I think he was into her, which always <laughs> just makes it even weirder to an extent. It's, um, I, I think uh, we've talked a, a good deal about how Mr. Crocker from the ground up is this certain character. You know, he's sort of a, a, a school teacher and he's grounded in that real life. Uh, does Plankton read as... Uh, a real life rival to you. I think in some Here, ways he does just because of the storied past between him and Mr. Krabs. I actually don't have, don't have a thought on this. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch an idea to you and I want to hear what you, what you think yes. about it. Mr. Crocker could be a villain to anybody. The reason he's a, a villain to Timmy is because he has the most to suspect from Timmy. Yeah. Plankton has a vendetta against Eugene Krabs. Yep. He he has a problem with Eugene Krabs. Now the, the other villainy stuff is just, he just wants to rule the world, yep. but the, 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 the reason he's a villain in the show is because of his dynamic with a specific character. Yeah. Does, is that better or worse? Is it better to have 
a, a history with someone and, and, and have the, have the, have the rivalry feel like there's a reason to it. Or is the, is the concept of you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's why we have a rivalry. Does that make a better villain? Cause Ooh, it's more chaotic. Well, what are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. I, I think in terms of storytelling capability, Plankton's in the better position because mm-hmm. the interactions between characters, that's really what drives a story. And the more unique that that is, the more unique unique a uh, driving relationship in a story, uh, as long as SpongeBob uh, right. is, uh, the more important, the, the, the better and more unique and more meaty that that relationship is. Heh, meaty, because we're talking about chum and stuff. <laughs> oh my God. But the better that is, <laughs> I think that does make for a better villain. Yeah, Mr. Crocker isn't special to the story's hero, Timmy. He's special to... The story's concept of fairies. Yeah. That's really all it is. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, we're really looking for fully-fledged characters. That Just saying that triggered a memory in my head. Do you, I'm not sure if you're aware of it because it was, it was brought up relatively later in the show series. Sure. I had already stopped watching at the time, but I saw like a clip on YouTube or something like that. So you know how the fairies are powered by, they have like a giant wand and fairy yes. world that flies with magic. Do you know the reason that that thing is powered is because exclusively of Mr. Crocker's belief in fairies? Yeah. So, I, well, not exclusively, but primarily by right. Crocker's belief in fairies. Yep. I... I don't know. That might that might give him more weight. Like Like the show's premise couldn't exist without Crocker. Yeah, that's that's a really solid point. Like SpongeBob oh. would still be SpongeBob without Plankton. Yep, fairly odd parents wouldn't be fairly odd parents without Crocker. Yeah, it's true. Oh, oh crap! See, I thought Plankton had it in the bag. Um, I, I, I still think I'm going to go with Plankton from the villainy aspects, because uh, Mister Crocker being the reason the show is around, being the reason the fairies have magic, doesn't really speak to his villainy at all. Right. Like, uh. I, I, I know we, we talked about hit, uh, other other people's impact on the world that they're involved in, but that's yep. usually because of their villainy, their their impact that their villainy has. This has nothing to do with Crocker's villainy. It just has to do with his weird mindset. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's... And what I, I want to talk about character designs too, because you have two very strong ones here. And you've alluded to it a little bit with the contrast between Plankton's voice and his size. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I, I it's a great gag that's really owned. They Big really, voice for a tiny man. Yeah. They, tiny plankton. Yeah, they really make that a joke, and they really keep it fresh. Whereas with Mr. Crocker, as cool as his design is, they usually use it as one-offs and sort of just winks to the audience. Yeah, like his and weird goblin-like design. Yes, yeah, his humpback. His weird ear, neck ear. Neck ear. And I don't know why that just grosses me out so much. It really, it's gr- it's gross. <laughs> it really is. Odd, odd design choice on Butch Hartman's part, but it fits. You know who the villain is. It's true. Next on ears. That's the telltale <laughs> that's, sign. That's got to be it. Yeah, but I think when it, these are really neck and neck for me. I'm really glad that we fleshed Mr. Crocker out as much as we have because I really love Fairly Odd Parents as much of it's kind of jumped the shark over the past couple of years. A lot of those original episodes. Uh, with Mr. Crocker and other villains like Vicky and and the Pixies and things like that, that Wandissimo. show has, has yeah mm-hmm. those that show has a lot of great relationships between this incredibly powerful good force of the fairies and everybody else that's trying to disrupt that for sure. And then then obviously there's there's the uh, Nega fairies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I this is actually something as well. I don't I can't think 
of another character in SpongeBob who's more evil than Plankton. Right. Anti-Cosmo, the anti-fairies, not nega-fairies, the anti-fairies. Anti-Cosmo oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is more evil than Mr. Crocker. It's like true. Because he is, he's, he's a dangerous kind of villain. Like, like Crocker's a crazy, but not crazy in the Joker way, just crazy in an eccentric way. Yeah. Anti-Cosmo is cool, calm, and collected, which is very dangerous when you're using that for evil. Yep. Just very genuinely malicious and focused. And so I think because Crocker's not even number one in his world, yeah. I'm going to have to give it to Plankton. Yeah. I know. Personally, I like Crocker more as a villain than Anti-Cosmo, but I, because he's not the top tier villain. Right. I'm going to have to pass on him and give it to Plankton. Yeah. Well, 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 actually, wait, is there someone who's more evil than Plankton in SpongeBob? I can't, I can't think of any examples. I can't think of any either. Okay. I, the, that uh, again, that's uh, like The Simpsons. Uh, SpongeBob is a show that's focused more on comedy than on action and conflicts. I guess, for like yeah, a better term. Especially uh, given how naive the main character is. Exactly. Usually, the conflict is rooted in some sort of uh, SpongeBob be- being oblivious to something. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which can make the evil all the more dramatic in some cases. But uh, I, I, I think Plankton. Not, I, I think it should be said that he's just not by default the most evil. There's definitely uh, some other characters within the show. Uh, was it Manta Ray? <laughs> Who's the Manta Ray? That's oh, uh, uh, wait, isn't isn't it Manta? Oh crap! No, the but remember, remember a Barnacle Boy villain, right? Yes, you, yeah, exactly. Oh, like Man Ray, Man Ray, Man Ray. Yes, Man Ray. like. There's other villains around. And like the and Flying Dutchman, I guess you could count. Yeah, exactly. And they all stake their claim, mm-hmm. but Plankton still. Stands tall is still ironically top tier SpongeBob villain. <laughs> yes, S tier SpongeBob. S tier. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I think because of the worlds they inhabit, Plankton comes across as the stronger villain. Yeah, I think that's a that's yeah. a excellent point, and I think that moves Plankton Plankton onto the to the next round. Man, this is all right. So what did what did what did Plankton do to Mister Crocker? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to work the plan Z can't possibly fail yes. line into it. Like, like P for plan, plan P can't possibly, I got nothing. I have nothing for this one. <laughs> It'll work for now. That'll be good. We'll let that one slide. We'll, we'll give our, we'll give ourselves some mulligan. So, at some point in the next round, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to yell. Oh, wait, hold on. And I'll have, <laughs> I'll have a joke right now. Nah, yeah, right exactly. Now. That's the way it goes. And this leads us to the finals, though, to determine okay, right, the finals. Okay, wow. The devious dean of dastardly deeds. Uh, okay. Yep. It's <laughs> yep. at least alliteration is at home in the uh, world of villains. It, it, that's very true. It's, it's, it's my villain true. monologue is just com- completely composed of words beginning with the letter D. That's that's my shtick as a villain. D. The letter D. Dastardly Dayton. Dastardly Dayton. That's right. All right. So we're moving on to the finals. We have the Joker versus Plankton. Sheldon J. Plankton. Sheldon J. Plankton. And the Joker. And the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. We got five minutes on the clock. Let's get started. Boom. All right. So... Ah, man. Okay, I, I want to focus more on, if, 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 if you, unless you want, you want to begin. No, no, go but, ahead. Uh, we, we've, we've talked a lot about Plankton's voice actor, and we only brushed on Mark Hamill. We, we, I really want to emphasize this. Mark Hamill made the iconic Joker laugh, he made the iconic Joker voice, the iconic, our jo- iconic Joker cadence yes. of the, well, I'm not so sure about that, but kind of thing. Yes. Uh, like, like, like 
Mark Hamill made that his own, and he 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 deserves so much credit in the Batman universe. Yeah, he really he, gets. he really sells it sells the performance aspect of the Joker. You know, he, he makes the Joker constantly seem like he's putting on a show. There's so few moments in the show when he when that ruse is pulled back, when the curtains are pulled back, and you see the Joker as a person. I think a a cool moment where you just get a brief glimpse of it, and it later on speaks to the Joker's villainy is when. Uh, Harley Quinn has a gun to his face after they've just crashed this airship of sorts. And she's furious with him. She's about to fire the gun and Batman and Robin are off to the side like, this is actually going down, holy crap. And she fires it. And of course, it's a little flag that says bang. Bang, yeah. And in that moment, you'd see some genuine fear in the Joker's eyes. And he's, uh, you think maybe for a brief moment, that he considers how badly he's treated Harley and the wrong that he's done. He's actually faced with his mortality. Exactly. And but as as soon as he sees that he's safe, he opens up his arms and welcomes Harley back. He's like, Harley, darling, ah, oh, you're oh, the best. That's and so manipulative. Exactly. Oh my god. Exactly. It's such oh my god. It's such a perfect moment to just see how completely evil the Joker is any any time that he see he he shows weakness for such a brief moment and the chance that he gets to stand tall and pull the strings again he takes it like full force that guy is truly a puppet master at times yeah like he can he He's really good good with any plan he can do a lone wolf stick and take Mm -hmm. care of things on his own but if he if he needs a team he will he will make things happen and yep. it, ah. yeah it's it's hard for for me to see plankton facing up to that level of just permeated evil <laughs> i yeah. i i think plankton has some fantastic villainous moments we spoke again about the spongebob movie when he literally manipulates the minds of the whole town and the king of the sea that's a great moment for him but it's just a moment. It's not his life where for the Joker. It isn't how he operates, right? Yeah. Where the Joker that is that it's for, for, for Plankton. It's really, it mm. takes that extra effort. It takes that extra brain power. It takes a lot of thought for the, for the Joker. It certainly does in some ways, but to him, it comes so naturally mm-hmm. and it's complete. It's which he, I also villain f- through and through, which I also feel like, Obviously, the Joker is always run down uh, or focused on as gag, prankster, and then yep. even homicidal. He is. I would. I wouldn't. I would feel pretty comfortable saying he's also a genius. Like yeah. he knows how to read a person and manipulate them. That's true. He can. He he can. He can smooth talk his way into situations and out of them. And yep. I feel like that's actually what makes Batman such a great counter to him is that Batman does not put up with any BS. He will. Yeah. He will. He he doesn't fall for a ruse. Yep. He his. He's always so suspicious naturally that he won't yeah. trust anything the Joker says. Right. Whereas other people might be more inclined to, like other people, like other other crime bosses, Harley Quinn, for example, people who have similar goals to him yep. will be more inclined to believe him because it'll it'll benefit them as well. Batman, who wants nothing to do with the Joker, will not hesitate to say, well, will not hesitate to call his bluff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and Plankton is. We've talked about a little bit about how these a lot of these villains have tunnel vision. They're very focused on their goal or on their rival, that sort of thing. And Plankton is that to a fault. He for that 
for, because of his tunnel vision, he overlooks gaps in his plans and things like that. Because of Joker's arguable tunnel vision, he considers everything. He's obsessed, not necessarily needlepoint focused. He's, he's obsessed in that he takes everything in. And he considers everything and makes sure that he gets his way. Plankton just laser shoots at what his goal is and kind of ignores everything else around it. And uh, to have a villain that really sees the whole picture, really sees the role that he's playing in his world like the Joker does, that's that's hard to face. And I feel uh, on the topic of tunnel vision... The Joker doesn't have an overarching goal, really. He uh, he would not turn down world domination. He has gone for it a couple of times, yep. but it is not his main thing. He doesn't necessarily want to kill Batman. If he killed him, that'd be cool, but it's not his thing. He doesn't necessarily want to rob that bank, but hey, if it gets robbed, that's cool. Yeah. it's it, His tunnel vision, is it, it changes with his mood, really, right. which, again, just speaks to how he's the archetype or an archetype for this chaotic, evil thing. Yeah. It's like, like, I don't... I hate to do it, but just just, just to borrow a quote from our, uh, from the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's Joker, yeah. I'm like a dog chasing an ambulance. I, I don't know what I'd do if I caught it, but I'm yeah. still going to go for it. Yeah, this the, the animated Joker definitely serves that trait in that he will never rest on his laurels. He yeah. will, once he accomplishes something, he's like, okay, how can What's I next? upset the status quo once more? Upset the status quo. That is, I mean, if he, if he had a goal, that would be his goal. Yeah. It would always be his goal. Yeah, exactly. He's... <laughs> he's keeping Gotham weird <laughs> and that that's exactly what he wants he uh, whereas Plankton will once he receives the Krabby Patty formula I know he has in a couple episodes I'll put that around quotes I suppose yeah. but he once he achieves that once he achieves power once he one ups his rival in Mr. Krabs He's done. He's good. Yeah. He's satisfied. Joker's never satisfied. I, I think Plankton himself even addressed that in one episode uh, to a different extent. Uh, Plankton said, now give me the formula, Krabs. He's on Mr. Krabs' nose. Yeah. And he's like, Mr. Krabs is like, or what? And then Plankton says something that relates to that, what you were just talking about. He says, I don't know. I didn't think I'd get this far, <laughs> which at the time was meant to be a funny line, but also yeah. says like, what's Plankton going to do without, like, like, without the Krabby Patty formula at this point in his life? Who is he? Yeah. He's so absorbed by this one goal and once he get it once he gets it he loses his identity yeah i i would yeah. fully believe that yeah he, and the joker his his identity is uh, painted by the means not the end it, yeah and, and if you if he if again if you could try to figure try to word a, a goal for him it, it would have to be a goal that never ends. Like yeah. I want the world to stay chaotic. Well, that's, that's not, there, there isn't an end point for that. That's always going to be something he's going to be doing. It's always gonna be working towards it. Yeah. Especially absolutely. given that like the human race inherently wants rules and structure and he's yeah. the exact opposite. Who's trying to destroy rules and structure. There'll always be yeah. opposition there. He'd always be working towards, towards a goal of chaos. Yeah, man, that's a powerful thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, it 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 really is. It, it, I think it gets to the root of what evil really is. is something that yeah. that sort of perpetuates itself, and like that's what true evil is. Something that serves itself and makes sure that there's never enough. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I hesitate to say self fulfilling prophecy, but uh, evil kind of. The Joker's brand of evil, yeah, fuels itself. Yeah, like like once it gets started, it's 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 a never ending cycle of of constantly going, doing something, 
going on to the next thing, doing something else. And it'll yeah. always, it's, it's, that's, I, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's more evil to me at the end of the day. Yeah. And like, it was weird. Cause like Plankton had, I think like the two of the best matchup conversations, Plankton versus his, both of his perspective targets, but the Joker just kind of blew him out of the water in this, in this round. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think we did generally, <laughs> I, hopefully I'm not, hopefully I'm not tuning our own horn here too much, but I think we did a good job of focusing on the Joker that's per- portrayed in the animated series. And that just speaks to just how complex this character is for a, a, a children's quote unquote cartoon to villain. Saturday morning cartoon show. Yeah. Kids wake up they are happy in the morning, get their cereal and watch the Joker, uh, almost emotional face yeah. and, then, and then emotionally manipulate the woman who did it. It's like, <sighs> it's uh, look at Batman fight crime. Yeah. It's wild. And the the strength of that character is for me just really unparalleled. It was you you set this character in the limitations of a children's show and he still stands out. Yeah, exactly. And Plankton's after operating in his element, and for that he's wonderful. But he's he, he doesn't surprise me like the Joker does. You know, I would I, would, I agree with that hundred and ten percent. Yeah, no, you're right. He does, he doesn't surprise me. You you know what you're getting with Plankton. The yeah. Joker's a wild card. Yeah. It's fantastic. So with that being said, the Dean of Dastardly Deeds, the devious Dean of Dastardly Deeds. We can't forget that that other alliterative term. I mean, that is the, the Joker, the clown prince of crime. Clown like that, of crime. That, that, that is his title. So all more alliteration to add on there. Yep. Another one to add to the business card. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he had a business card and, and, and had something like that. Seems on, on brand for him. Yeah. Doesn't right. It? Yeah. yeah. So I guess Joker got the third le- Third last laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. I have nothing more clever than that. I, 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 I was, I was honestly thinking. I was like, crap. What can I do for whoever wins here? But no, I got nothing. No, no and, and and I, I think the Joker is is a very justifiable win. Um, yeah, I. And I'll be honest. Like I, I don't have an emotional attachment to this version of Joker sure. by any means. So to me, he was just another, another name in the bracket. I wasn't, I wasn't rooting for him. I wasn't yeah. hoping he failed either. I was like, oh, okay, let's see what happens. But uh, this. This makes sense. This this it this really this does. world of not making sense makes sense. Yeah, in, of the Joker. And one thing that we made a point of with this bracket is that they they have to be to some degree funny, making us laugh. And I think the Joker does in a very like primal way, you know. And that yeah, that he, primal. Yeah, he has very he has a very unique brand of humor. Like you said earlier, it's very dark and it's because you see him upsetting the status quo and Batman trying to wrangle him. That's what's funny about it is because it's, it's so ridiculous. It's two, two forces going up against each other. What, what's the dark Knight quote? Uh, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. That, that, that's yeah. That I think that applies here. It really does. And that's, that's the humor of it because it's such a ridiculous matchup and one, you know, that will, never end and that's such a that's such a unique laugh to get out of somebody through a cartoon and i think that's <laughs> that's cool man <laughs> final thoughts that's cool man that's cool man <laughs> no i no i i i agree wholeheartedly i i think the joker is such a for being okay how do i do what i want to phrase this mm. 
you 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 know what you get in that you you aren't sure what's going to happen. If I can if I can quote the Pirates of the Caribbean, you can always trust a dishonest man to be dishonest. Yes. So you know the Joker is going to be up to something, but you never know what it is, which still puts you on edge. You see yep. the bad guy, and you know he's going to do bad guy things, but I have no idea what kind of bad guy things, and that kind of terrifies me. Yeah. Um. And and the fact that you get different levels of that, like I was saying before, you feel safe when Batman's around. He's the hero, but you still know Joe Joker's a threat. He is a bad guy. He's going to try to attack Bat Batman. So you feel a certain level of danger there. When he's solo, you feel a certain level of danger there. When he's just with Harley, you feel a certain level of danger there. Yeah, but there's definitely. always different. He's diverse in his in 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 even just this one aspect. He is multiple facets. Yeah, yeah. I think with. All of the other villains in this bracket, uh, except for maybe Bill Cipher, but even to a degree, he's got his own brand and is is able to be expected in that way and predicted. Uh, Joker is still unpredictable, yeah. you know, in in his means. You know, he you'll you'll know he'll want to do something absolutely absurd, but that's all you get. You just get the characterization of his actions, just to see how far he takes it, though. That's why we watch the show. That's yeah, why we we'll really. watch him and why we enjoy him as a character. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, then just like, I'm just going to jump out of the show here and go into the Joker as a character himself. With the new 52 and Rebirth and the Watchmen being included in mm -hmm. the main DC continuity, the Joker became such a more amazing villain. It just, so, so do you know much about the Joker in I don't Modern actually, Comics? yeah. So, okay. Oh, so there is, I, I think... I don't remember. I watched a few minutes of it. There may have been like a game theory on this or something. Sure. Or a film theory, my mistake on it. But basically, I remember reading reading the comic about it. Uh, so Batman found this thing in, in comics called yep. the Mobius chair, which is a chair that has all the information in the universe, everything. Yes. So he's so, in order, obviously, you know, Batman's always suspicious. So he mm -hmm. asked that a question that only he knew the answer to. Who killed Thomas and Martha Wayne? Chair told him Joe Chill. Boom, this thing's legit. Yep. So he said, who is the Joker? What is the true identity of the Joker? Of course, the comic ends there where the scene ends. Then seven issues later, oh he's talking to Green Lantern and he's like, he just kind of brings up, I asked the Mobius chair who the Joker was. And, and Hal's like, oh my gosh, what did it say? Then Batman begins walking away and goes, it said there were three Jokers. Yep. And it's like, excuse me? Yeah. This 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 isn't even, uh, he no longer is 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 just a character. He's a mindset. He is, yeah. he is. I can't believe him. I'm just going to sound so pretentious. He's an idea that so many people have adopted at this yeah. point. And it's in what's then kind of tied into maybe the comedian from the Watchmen survived and became the mm. original Joker or something like that. But oh, yeah. cool. I, it's it's the character is incredible. Yeah. I think he, I, I, I don't think that's pretentious. I think that just speaks to how well this character is written across all media, wherever he appears, he's just a force, force of nature. He can really, appear anywhere because he represents that innate chaos in all of us, you know, that, yeah. that, that need for things to be off kilter all the time and that sort of thing. <laughs> I never really consider the Joker as a form of escapism, but I agree. You're right. You're right. Right. He's, he's a, a, a reckless form of escapism, but I, at some point, you know, if some, I think anybody could be really driven to just want to see the world burn. That's a really dark thing, uh, outlook yeah, on humanity. But I think everybody has a speck of that potential to be a Joker. And that makes the Joker all the more frightening. It's, it's, it's that one, uh, I don't know if it's psychological or philosophical concept of the call of the void. Yeah. Like that mindset of you're walking on the street and you think, what if I just threw myself into traffic right now? You, right. Don't, you don't even want to die. You don't want to hurt yourself. But like you have like this weird primal impulse yep. of let's do this. And the Joker... 
operates exclusively on that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well said. That's absolutely true. That's, I think that makes this title all the more deserved. Deserved, yeah. It's fantastic. I, I really enjoy talking about these characters. Are there any on this bracket that really, or not on this bracket rather, that you would have liked to see? Just the one that we had talked about for a bit. We had discussed Father from Codename Kids Next Door. That is such an underrated show. I I want it to come back in some form. Uh, Right, that'd be incredible. Yeah. almost exclusively because of his backstory. Like yeah. he's number one's uncle, yeah. which is, which then like, like their grand, like his, their father, number one's grandfather being mm-hmm. like a true villain and then him being corrupted father being corrupted, but in a way that was actually rebelling against his father, like mm-hmm. two different brands of evil being, being made yeah. then t- t- kidnapping an entire sect of the kids next door, an entire sector and turning them into his delightful children from oh, down the lane. So creepy. And then just father's whole presence of having the pipe and talking in a smooth, not, not British accent, but kind of a smooth, okay. Kind of new Englander accent. Yeah. Just getting mad. And all of a sudden fire shoots out, which is real, yes. not just a figure. It's that, that was one I would think, I think would have been cool to talk about, but I am still very, very happy with the bracket we had. Like I'm, yeah. I, I, I was, cool with all those yeah i'm glad we captured the real spectrum of cartoons across the ages and villains across the ages and we got to see a lot of them go to head uh head to head especially between bill cypher and mr burns skeletor and mr crocker mm-hmm. i think it's cool to see how we're treating bad characters or evil characters in children's cartoons across time it's it, it all it, I, it, from my experience here just going through this bracket it seems like we're not handling kids with gloves so much anymore. Like you're looking at characters like Bill Cipher and seeing how the Joker continues to evolve in other cartoons and other media. We're not as afraid to put real cruel, intense villains in front of kids anymore. I think that's really, that's really cool. Of course, we're not just talking about kids here with Mr. Burns and uh, some of these cartoons being a little bit more adult oriented too. But I, 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 on a broader sense, it speaks to how cartoons are being treated as a, a, a genuine storytelling medium. For sure. Know, so, And I, I know we were also on the fence. We, we, not even say on the fence, but we had discussed briefly the idea of do we even let anime on this bracket right. at all? Yeah. But we, I think we kind of agreed that because Pokemon was a gateway anime for a lot of people, yeah. that Dragon Ball Z, it was, it was a Saturday morning cartoon on Kids WB. Cartoon Network had it for a bit. Pokemon transcended it just being an exclusive anime like like and japan even recognized that they stopped making things so japanese and made things more universal more international because they wanted to be a cartoon that could be enjoyed anywhere in the world yeah so i feel like pokemon was if if there wasn't anime to let in it would would 100 percent pokemon with team rocket yeah it just represents another step in the growth of Cartoons across yeah. across time, all the way back from Skeletor mm-hmm. to uh, who's the old, who's the newest on this? I think list? Bill Cipher, probably Bill Cipher. Yeah. yeah. So I think for me, I would have. I really want to do a bracket on like secondary villains because I think him from Powerpuff Girls is so fascinating oh, because geez. it's such an interesting character being androgynous and having like this voice that has reverberation and doesn't seem at home on the Craig McCracken's art style. And I think that's so in in like innately unnerving. I really want to talk about that at some point. His there it's I yeah. I, I apologize if I'm if I'm mispronouncing him yeah, here. Of course. Uh, yeah. But the voice going from smooth 
smooth and high pitched, and which is eerie in its own sense to getting upset, then it's immediately getting dark, and then right. like a, a dark reverberation and echo. And you're right, the androgynous appears. The design of him could be discussed about. We have a goatee, we have a boa, we have lobster claws, yeah. we have a weird like uh, Dracula kind of haircut that's almost only on the head. Mm-hmm. These uh, large like l- leg boots that go yeah, on, like, like above mid thigh. So many things to discuss in that field. Yeah, uh, it's, no, him would be great to talk about. Yeah, and in the same vein of secondary villains, I love Gideon Gleeful. Gideon Gleeful? Falls. Yeah. I, when I, so I'm obsessed with the show and I'm obsessed <laughs> oh, with Alex say. Hirsch. I think he's <laughs> such a genius and I'm really excited to see where he goes from here in terms of his work. And a new show, a new show of his apparently got approved, I think by Disney or maybe Nickelodeon or something like that. Nice. So he has something new coming out in the next couple of years. I can't wait to see because if he makes more cre- characters like Gideon Gleeful, I will be ecstatic. I, when he mentioned that he based getting gleeful off of like televangelists. Yeah. I, I didn't know that was, that was true, but oh my God, that is amazing. Doesn't that immediately resonate? Yes. And just, 100%. It, it's hundred it, percent. It speaks to that sort of glossy face that he puts on and that sort of Southern hospitality sensibility yeah, that he yeah. has to him and how he manipulates that as a villain. I and think Van Orman's performance as oh, Gideon, so like the good. voice is so good. Uh, people don't believe me when they say, when I tell them that Thurum Van Orman has a voice very similar to Gideon Gleeful's. Like, yeah, it's a speaking voice. Almost. Just with, with, without the Southern accent, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's again, just flapjack. another yeah, great example. Yeah. Another great example of uh, brilliant voice casting, you know, looking back at flapjack and seeing how you can twist that to be a little bit more menacing. Different. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, 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 I do admit I cringe with the whole widow o me thing. That, that stuff man, is like ugh, that doesn't resonate with me. But Gideon yeah. himself, when like, obviously that's a performance he puts on for the people of Gravity Falls. But him, yeah. so as like a secondary villain, no, that can I can get behind that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was this was great. I love talking about villains because we we talk about characters and their growth and arcs and things are are such an important part of our storytelling. But to see how somebody can land at the end of their arc and be in a place that's dark and terrorizing to other people and seeing how that can operate within a cartoon setting, I think is really fun to talk about. Mm, it's hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's uh, villains are more than we give them credit for. I think sometimes they're, uh, they, they tell us more about themselves off about ourselves often than the heroes do And cartoons are no exclusion from that. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I mean, villain uh, superheroes are almost always who we want to be villains. Sometimes we have to accept they're part of who we currently are. Wow. Uh, you have to, you have, you have to start from somewhere. <laughs> yep. That's right. Well said, man. Thanks for so much for being on the show. Dude, Alex. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you were willing to come on and talk villains with me. This has been Who You Got. If you guys are interested at all in submitting your own topics for Who You Got, you can certainly do so on any of the Zima podcasting socials, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know what you guys would like us to discuss and debate on the next episode of Who You Got, and we'll make crappy puns about it. Don't uh, don't you worry. Expect so nothing less. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a brand requirement. That's in my contract <laughs> now. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody, for watching. I'm Dayton Hammond. We'll see you next time.